Hello and welcome back to a new series of this, the Talking Dogs podcast, a one-stop shop for dog lovers. It's packed full of training tips and advice as well as doggy chit-chat to keep you and your dog in a happy place. My name's Graham Hall and for over a decade I've been travelling the country helping owners one-to-one with their dog's behaviour problems. You might have caught me doing just that on Telly's Dogs Behaving Very Badly. Over the coming weeks I'll be answering questions sent in by owners and from time to time sharing stories and experiences of people I've worked with in the past. Now this week I'm chatting to the owners of a sprightly cocker spaniel whose shocking recall was getting his owners in deep water. Now some of you might recognise that from the TV show. We've had some pretty horrible weather here in the UK recently. Lots of storms. Now, I bet a lot of your local fields and parks have become completely waterlogged and even creating puddles that, well, might as well be lakes. Now, your dog might go bounding straight into the water. More on that in a bit. But there are lots of dogs who hate water. And I've had this email from Paul. He says, we've got an eight-year-old lab collie cross. Sparky's a super dog and he's changed our lives in the five years that he's lived with us. We don't know what happened in the first couple of years of his life, but he hates water. Over the summer, in the high heat, I tried to encourage him into a paddling pool to cool off. I tried putting a favourite treat into the middle of the pool. He's clever enough to work out that if you splash with your nose, the treat will float towards the other side where you can reach it without getting wet. He's a clever lad, Sparky, isn't he? Um, Do you have any tips, or should we just accept that he is aquaphobic? He's afraid of water. Interesting, isn't it? Um... I'll tell you what's really interesting about this. He's a lab collie cross, right? So I reckon he's more collie than he is lab, you know? Certainly he's acting that way. He's using that collie intelligence to um, not so much herd sheep as herd floating treats and get them to move where he wants so he can get them. Whereas the lab, of course, in him would normally have just gone, water, gadoosh. Yeah, some dogs genetically just don't seem to like wars. They just seem to have been born that way. Now, with Sparky, we don't know what happened in the first couple of years of life. My bet, probably nothing bad happened. He probably is just one of those dogs that just doesn't really like water. So the question becomes, how do we get him comfortable around water? It's always possible, of course, by the way, that something did happen in the first couple of years. He ended up falling into some water and it scared him for life. But, of course, we'll never know. And with any rescue dog, sometimes you can go all around the houses trying to figure it out and you just make yourself anxious when you've got um, a problem, in this case, water. So the best thing to do is say, it is what it is and let's move on from here. So... How can we make him more comfortable near water? Well, you definitely don't, and excuse the pun here, drop him in the deep end. With any kind of nervousness, that really isn't what you want to be doing. So you might have seen in the past people um, using a technique, um, again appropriately, called flooding. So it's a psychology term used for sort of overloading uh, a subject, a dog, a person even, with something that scared them, right? And the idea is that they'll just get used to it. So think person who's scared of spiders locked in a room with a million spiders and they come out and they're a changed person well they either are or they're absolutely terrified and they're worse than ever before it's too much of a risk so i never do the flooding technique with dogs what i do do is get them used to it bit by bit so how do we get a dog who's afraid of water used to water well if there's somewhere nearby like the edge of a riverbank that's got a bit of a beach to it or a slope in you don't have to do very much at all and it's just getting them used to that proximity as time goes on you can get them a bit nearer they might even 
dip a paw in, just get a paw wet. Um, the thing that you're trying to reward here and encourage is being a bit braver and being inquisitive, right? Trying to check it out. So any move towards the water of their own volition, right? And it's like, oh, good boy. Oh, that's good. And you can kind of lift your, your praise a bit there because you want it to be a little bit exciting. It's like, oh, this is good, isn't it? Um, that kind of attitude. Your general demeanour needs to be, hey, this is fine. I'm not worried about the water, it's okay. It doesn't worry me. I say that because it's so easy when you know you've got a problem with your dog and you're dosing out a tiny bit of it to sort of clam up yourself, you know, so you're like, oh, ah, oh, is this going to be a problem? Oh, uh, and the dog's looking at you and they're reading our body language like you wouldn't believe. So he's thinking, mm, I'm not so happy around the water, I'm a bit nervous and I'm looking at you and you look terrified. So you can clearly see the signal that sends out. So I'd get him used to it bit by bit, and I'd do it little and often. So it's always good advice with something like this, not to overload them in terms of time as well. So you wouldn't drop them in the deep end in terms of intensity. You literally wouldn't just drop them in the water. That'd be the last thing you'd want to do. But also in terms of time. So if you happen to be near somewhere where there's a bit of water like that, you can go near it, it's fine, not too much, good boy, and off you go. You really want to be, if you could talk to your dog, at the end of the day, you've been saying, what happened today then? We went near some water. Ah, yeah. And what happened? Nothing. Ah, exactly. Remember that. Nothing bad happened, yeah? Um, and then I'd build it up from there. But the bottom line, really, is that sometimes you get a dog and you think, he's just not happy near water. It's just not his thing, you know? And it's not essential, you know? Unlike walking or eating or sleeping you know nice though it would be for him to splash about because lots of dogs love it if yours really really doesn't don't force the issue if you force it usually you'll make it work I was asked a question recently, which uh, I don't think anybody's ever asked before. It was a very good one. I was being interviewed as part of a literary festival promoting my book, and um, the chap interviewing said, uh, or asked, why is it, right, that dogs will jump willingly into muddy puddles and they'll splash about all day long, very happy, um, they'll jump into rivers and things like that, but take them home and show them a bath when you want to clean them, and it's the end of the world. They hate it. Why is that? Because it's all water. Oh, that's very good. Great question. And the answer to that is it's the association, isn't it? So jumping around in puddles, it's a bit like, you know, when we were kids splashing about in wellies, you know, swimming in the river. For dogs that love it, they love it. It's great. But nobody ever liked being forced to be bathed at home as a little and or whatever it was. It's that forcing them to, to, to do it thing. So if you've got that problem, by the way, with a dog who just doesn't like um, that kind of water, bath water, then really it's a it's a case of getting them used to that as well, bit by bit. You know, perhaps just sort of touching their paws with a little bit, or maybe using a you know a flannel that's wet and that kind of thing to start with. But I think that answers the question because you're right. On the face of it, it's a funny one. They'll happily jump into puddles, but you can't get them near the bath. <laughs> that's dogs for you.
Now, from dogs who hate water to dogs who love it a bit too much, I've had this email from Jo. Now, she says, we rehomed Ted two years ago, and he's now seven, and we were informed he was obsessed with water. Now, he'll stay in the sea for, for hours, and he won't come back. And he's always been good on recall away from the sea until a few weeks ago. On this day, he went into Ted trance, <laughs> I like that, uh, and would not come out. So five hours later, can you believe it, he was pulled out uh, onto the local foreshore by a lady in waders. Right. I'm feeling now I can't trust him anywhere near water and I would really appreciate some help. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, this does sound uh, very similar to a dog I met recently for the TV show, Dogs Behaving Very Badly, on Channel 5. So I thought you might benefit from hearing firsthand from owners John and Linda about how we sorted this problem with their cocker spaniel, Harris. Now, John and Linda, brilliant to have you here. Does Joe's problem sound familiar at all? Remind me of what life was like with Harris before I came to meet you. Oh, hey, yeah, it sounds very, very similar to the issue that we have had with Harris. Things are looking better now. Yeah, he was a water jumper into rivers, into lakes, um, and that's when we're going to touch with you guys to see how we could stop him from doing it. Now, on the face of it with Harris, it was quite kind of a funny story. You know, a cocker spaniel swims into the lake, won't come back. But there was a really serious side to this, wasn't there, I think, John? Yeah, it was when he, when he went into lakes... He would go in and he would just go out as far as he could. I would get into rivers and he couldn't get out. And I was having to put myself in danger and go over ledges. I've been in rivers in the middle of winter that's been in flood to get him out. And it was a, it was a, it wasn't just a serious thing for him. I mean, the last thing I would want was him to get hurt, and probably the last thing Linda would want was me to get hurt. <laughs> but she never went in. Me, I see it, Graham. She never went in. It was always me. Funny that. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's the thing about water. They've no idea what danger they're in, really. It's all it's all good fun until they can't get out, potentially. Well, no, and that's it. He's swimming out, and we don't know how far he can actually swim, because he obviously, when he goes out, he's got to get back, and we don't know how far he can swim. Yeah, for sure. And despite the, the very obviously Geordie accent, um, you live in a place with quite a few lakes, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Lake District, we're full of water. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we met at Windermere, and... Uh, I mean, I remember seeing him swimming off into the lake thinking, yeah, right, great. Um, <laughs> bit of a problem, that. How do you train a dog to do recall when he's over there somewhere? So it's one of those things in the, in the show where I often get set a bit of a challenge and think, uh, yeah, right. We had a couple of techniques uh, there, didn't we? And I, I remember previously thinking, OK, well, I could use a long line. It's got to be long enough, of course. But... You'd had a previous problem when you tried with a long line, I remember. Yeah, we did, Graham. We, we, we put him on a long line and it got wrapped around tree roots. And once again, it, it went under and we had to go and get him out. It was really, really dangerous situation. So we sort of went away from the long line. Yeah. And and so at that point, you think, well, long line's out because he's you know going to make it worse rather than better, really, if he gets, you know, gets caught up in submerged roots. Yeah. So the solution, of course, was, was well, a floating long line. It's funny, isn't it? Sometimes the answer's just really simple, isn't it? It, it meant that we could, we could sort of keep touch with him and we could train him to come back. And then all we needed was a unique sound that he would come back to. What better than the reason he chased? He chases ducks and there's a sound of ducks. So, yeah, what did we get? A duck whistle. That was me thinking. Well, I don't know if you'd call it a whistle, but that, yeah, one of those duck whack, whack, whack. It, it was so... Yeah, because I just thought, well, he likes the sound of ducks. So what if we made that the command to come back to us? Well, you know, and it 
as daft as it sounds, it kind of worked, didn't it? Well, it did. I thought you were quackers, Graham. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that reminds me, actually, funny you should say that, John. Reminds me of a funny thing that happened that um, uh, behind the scenes, we were about to start filming him swimming about uh, in the lake and the uh, the camera operator said, oh, I, to get this shot, I need to get into the lake. I need to walk into the lake with my camera, right? So, and do you remember? And, uh, I and he, he, he started to get his trousers down. I'm like, please tell me they're swim shorts. And they were, he'd come, come prepared. So off he went, because he hadn't realised that it's a bit stony. So he's he's walking into the into the lake with a very expensive heavy camera on his shoulder, going, "Oh, ow, ow!" Uh, and I said, I remember, I said to you, "Well, that's um, it was just loud enough for him to hear. That's dedication to duty." And you said something like, "Well, I've got a different phrase for it. You remember what it was? <laughs> yeah, he's blooming crackers. Yeah, <laughs> he's and it's the it's the Geordie accent, blooming crackers and." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, you, what you don't know is that since we filmed that, which is a few months ago now, that phrase became one of those in-jokes with, with the crew. So not a week has gone by where at some point somebody would go, well, man, that's, that's blooming crackers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the lengths some people go to to get a shot for dogs behaving very badly. But there you go. It worked very well. So let, let's talk about the the weight command. So, um, so my first thinking was he, he really didn't ought to be running into the water in a place where you think it's dangerous. There's a place to play and there's a place to not. Yeah. So w- what we did was we had him on the long line, and then the whole idea was like if we if we put you might say an emergency stop on him, you know. So if he was running towards the water, we'd have the ability not necessarily to make him come back, but just stop him from running forward so a really clear command wait and he was on the long line so if he didn't wait we could stop him and if he did wait we took the treat to him where he stopped which is the important point wasn't it so when i said to you i'm going to give you the ability to stop him dead if he's running towards the water and when he's in the water come back what did you think we were like not a chance (laughs) (laughs) why get this professional guy to show you what to do and then think you can't do it if you remember, Graham, on the day, you asked how confident I was, and I was on your side, my friend. Ah, yes. Yes, Wasn't I that? do. I do remember that. You were. Yes. Yes. In fact, if I remember rightly, you said something along the lines of, well, if you can fix this, I'll propose. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. <laughs> You'd forgotten that, hadn't you? I'm still waiting for the refusal. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm taken. <laughs> and Linda, you were a bit more sceptical then, were you? I was. I've been, I've been in too many tricky situations with uh, John and Harrison seeing the one down riverbanks and on the other side of rivers. I'm like, this is going to take some fixing. Yeah. And, and I think, in fairness, th- there are times when I look at something and I think, well, I've got a good theory here, but uh, I'm not 100% confident, you know. But you always put it across with the dog that you are, because if you look like you don't know what you're doing, they, they read you, you know. So, uh, but yeah, no, there are definitely times when I'm doing stuff and I think, blimey, the pressure's on here. Um, I'll do my best, you know. So what about when, when you had a go? Because it's one thing me doing it, isn't it? And quite different, really, when it's like, right, over, over to you. I'll be honest, Graham, I think you made it look a little bit more easy than we did. 
<laughs> I will have been doing it a while. The only thing I will say is when at the end, when we done the deer, and you said, right, now we'll try him off the leader, stop him, go into the water, then get him to come out the water. I was sceptical then. I didn't think he would come out. But he did. did. It was amazing, wasn't it? I was like, wow. There's times, you know, when I just think it's, you know, really it's a bit too much too soon. But while I'm here, let's give it a go. You know, we were in a fairly safe area if it had gone wrong as well. So it's repetitive training, really, is the key, isn't it? Yeah, you give people the right tools to go away and do the right thing. And as long as them people go away and do that, they will have the same results that we have had because we have done that. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing that I do actually, John. I know you're an HGV mechanic, eh? And it's a bit like it, with dog training. What you don't do is go in, change that part, take it out for a road test, and go. It's fixed. Off you go, right? For another hundred thousand miles, right? What I do, in effect, is I say, right, I, I'm I'm not going to fix this problem. I'll show you how to do it. I'll give you the tools for the job, but I need you to change the part and take it for a test drive, which is actually harder than just doing it myself, of course, but. There's no point me doing it without you having the ability to carry it on. Have you found anything particularly difficult to keep up since I left you? Um, no, I think we, we've stuck. We've stuck with it, haven't we? And yeah, it's, it's work. We do it when we go away to Chester and we buy a lake in Chester, and it's in uh, the, the weight command is work. I'm not saying it works a hundred percent. Sometimes, if you just get that too far in front of us then it's, that's when he loses it and he just goes. If Once it's just that certain spot, he gets too far ahead, we, we, we can't get him back. So we have to remember to shout it before he gets too far away. The only thing I would say with that, Graham, is that but when he does go now, he doesn't just go and keep going and go. If I blow the whistle, he comes back. You know, he'll get his feet wet, but then he turns round and comes back to me. So in a, in a way, it still does work. He doesn't stop. He still gets his feet wet, but he doesn't go in and chase whatever's in the water. Yeah, there's times, you know, where you, you go, well, the purest answer would be you should stop dead like an emergency stop. But actually, if it's doing the job for you and keeping him safe, then that's a huge, great tick in the box, isn't it? Um, and there's, you raise an interesting one there, uh, Linda. So sometimes if he gets that little bit further away from you, you, you your weight command doesn't, doesn't work or it's not as effective. And that's typical, to be honest. So I think a, a little tip really for anybody there is if you're doing something like recall or a weight which is like an emergency stop is what we're after um then practice it sort of really short distances first bed it in and you start you start to get a feel for how far you've got do you know what i mean in terms of how far away it'll still work and then just work on that bit by bit but yeah without a doubt the further i've always said this the further you you get away it, it becomes sort of exponentially more difficult really so you just got to work your way up to it but yeah, I mean, the golden rule is making a, a positive association with the whatever sound it is you're going to make to get the dog back. It. I mean, and the, and the duck whistle was a totally different sound. It's heard us screaming and shouting and clapping and whistling and everything else. So, and all that was born deaf to him. So, a new sound was the best thing. A total new sound. Yeah, there's you know, there's times we do something on dogs behaving very badly and I think and I think this is just it's gonna be hilarious. Uh, whether or not it'll work or not. And it's because yeah. the theory is is like, well, it's a unique sound. It's a sound that he's probably quite attracted to anyway, right? you'd already used up the standard recall commands and they weren't working anymore. So it's like it's a unique sound. He should be attracted to it. That should work. In theory, it'll work. And then you've got to do it in practice, haven't you? Oh, you've got to do it, it's got repetitive, yeah. 
Great. Well, that's that's great to hear. Listen, it's been lovely having you on. Thank you so much for giving your time. You're welcome. You're welcome. You never know if I'm if I'm up your area, uh, I might just yeah, pop you in. You know for, where we are. I'll, it'll be a cup of tea and custard creams, <laughs> no, or, the custard uh, cream. or cheese and um, crackers. Cheese and crackers. You're, you're welcome anytime, Graham. Anytime you want to come. Bless you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you want to see some of those training tools I was talking to John and Linda about in action, you can watch their episode of Dogs Behaving Very Badly on demand on My5. And there are new episodes of the TV show every Tuesday on Channel 5. Now listen, I really want to hear about your dog and any problems you might be having with them. Are you convinced you've tried everything? Well, I might just be able to suggest something new. So do send a voice note to talkingdogs at avalonuk.com and I could be answering your question next week. I'd love it if you could rate, review and subscribe to this podcast and that way you can meet up very soon for some more dog-related chat. You can always say hello to me on Instagram at dogfather.graham in the meantime. And Graham, by the way, is G-R-A-E-M-E. So, until then, look after yourself, your loved ones, and of course, your dogs. Bye for now. <laughs>